mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bibles with me to John chapter 9. We're going to be beginning this week in verse 13, John 9, 13. But by way of review, if you'll remember with me, Jesus has healed a man that was born blind from birth. His disciples ask him a question. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents? Because they were falsely taught that you could sin in the womb. They falsely were taught about reincarnation. When we know the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. Do not believe the lies. Listen, this is the only chance you get in this grand courtroom. This is where the love of God is being poured out upon you and you make a choice. You either be a believing heart or an unbelieving heart. There's only two places to live. There's nothing in the middle of that. Either you believe in Jesus. Listen, we're going to see this in a minute. Either you believe in Jesus and you lift up Jesus. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Or you have a heart of unbelief. And what you do then is you're lifting up your heel against Jesus. You're lifting up your foot, your walk, your ways against Jesus. And then you will be judged and cast into hell. All of us are spirits in a body. Our spirit is going to live somewhere for eternity. And we must make that decision today. That's the simple gospel. There's a free gift that's being handed out. So Jesus actually, and it's pretty amazing, um, we're going to see in chapter 9 that Jesus comes and he doesn't just heal this blind man, if you listen to last week's message, because he did it many ways, but he always touches the people. This week he spits on the ground and makes mud or clay, it is called. And then he puts it on the man's eyes and then he gives him a command to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And the man obeys, he washes, and then he sees. Now, as we enter into our text today, listen to me, I want you to understand this. That this man is giving testimony. His neighbors notice his life has changed. They begin to argue in the temple, different people trying to figure out what's going on. And this man still continues to give testimony, although he's never seen Jesus. See, it's a picture of you and I, that our eyes are open. And although we've never seen him, what a sight, because the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith. 
following the altar and the finisher. We've never seen him with our physical eyes, but spiritually, our spiritual eyes have been opened, and we know this to be truth. And we hang everything of our eternity on Jesus the Christ, the anointed of God, the Mashiach, and we worship him. Listen, he's never seen him. You're going to get to the end of it before he sees him face to face because he was blind when he went to the pool. But as he went and washed and obeyed, his eyes opened more and more. And then he could see. And then Jesus came and met him. And then he gets saved, actually, because he's not saved yet. You can be physically whole and be spiritually dead. You can be physically strong as you want to be. Go to the gym and be dead and go to hell. It's the spiritual eyes that matter, not the physical. See, we focus so much on the physical. And we need to be listening to the spiritual. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And Paul tells us not to regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. We know that this is a spiritual God, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual life, a spiritual war. And we know that there's a spiritual jury trial going on all around us right now for our hearts, for our decisions. And we are giving evidence. We're called to give evidence and lift up Jesus or we can lift up our heel against him. Which one are you doing? This man Again, like I said, witnesses start coming forward. The neighbors notice him and say, is that him? Looks like him. I'm not sure. And he says, it's I. Here I am. It's me. And we're going to see him call more. They actually lead him away and take him in our text uh, to the ruling authorities because they want somebody else to investigate what happened. He gives a simple testimony. Listen, when you're asked to give your testimony, if you're ever asked to give your testimony or you give your testimony, I give my testimony almost every day. When I go into people's houses, when I meet people, I try to give them my testimony every day because that's what sets people free. The, the Bible tells us, I think it's Revelation 13, they overcome by the, it's 11, 13. They overcome by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. You have to have the blood of the lamb. No Jesus, no salvation the word of their testimony, so it's spoken word of your testimony, and then you do not love your life to the death. In other words, you're not hanging on to this physical world. You let it go, and you take your, your spiritual life, and you begin to live it now. Salvation is today. It's already begun if you believe in Jesus. And stop lifting up your heel against him and kick against the goads. We're going to see that, hopefully, if we don't run out of time, that that's what Paul does. Jesus says to him, it's hard when you're kicking against the goads. See, he's prodding us, moving us. He's, he's, he's drawing us into the places he wants us to be. And we keep kicking at him, lifting up our heel against him. I say it all the time. We come into church and go, man, it's been a hard week. I've been fighting with the devil all week. No, you're not. You're fighting with God. You're struggling with God. Surrender to him trust him be led by the spirit and no matter whether it's good bad raining or shining be led into it with wisdom and show people that you are giving evidence that god is good no matter what's going on whether you can see physically or not see physically whether your leg hurts or it doesn't hurt
We cannot take the good and, and, and then blame the bad on God. That's exactly what upside down living is. That's what the devil wants us to do. I have a good friend that called me and he said um, his son and his wife were going to the hospital. That the baby was due on the 13th of February and this was like the 17th. And they were going to go in. They can't find a heartbeat. They do home birth. And he said, they lost another baby. They, it was two days old with no brain a couple years ahead of that. And he said, this isn't right. If it would happen to me, it would be one thing, but not to Jacob because he's a good kid. And he was feeling it as a dad. He was really feeling it. He said, but you know that boy's just praising the Lord, going whatever the Lord has for us. And they were going to go do a C-section. And he got over that pretty quick because he knows there were none good, none righteous. He knows the scriptures. I talked to him later, and the baby, when they took the baby out, had little blonde hair, had the cord wrapped around its neck, and it was in a knot. And I'm like, wow, these kids are under 30 years old, and they've experienced this twice. And they said, can we take the good and Blame God for the bad? No, the good and the bad and how you live through it. Life is hard. Sometimes things are going to get bad. You can't blame God and say, think that it's going to be a perfect life. Everything's going to be great because I serve Jesus now. Nothing bad is going to happen. Where would the witness be? Where would your testimony come from? Where would your life be hidden at? See, if we're really dead men walking and we're hidden in Christ and seated with him in heavenly places, we have to learn to die to self and still lift up the name of Jesus who will draw all men to himself if we do that. But what happens? People get mad and they listen to the devil and they say that God did it and it's all God's fault and they lift up their hill. Listen, you can either get bitter or you can get better. That's the oldest sermon on the planet. Get bitter or get better. And if you stay in the word of God and be led by the spirit, you know that nothing that we suffer through down here has anything to compare to the glory we'll have when we see him face to face. But we're called to be witnesses and lift him up. Lift him up high. What are you doing today? You lifting up Jesus? Listen, I'll just read it to you here. It's John 13, 18. We're going to get to it soon. But look at John 13, 18. Quoting, um, it's quoting actually Psalms 41, 9. And it says this right at the, 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 at, at the Lord washing their feet, if you know the text. And it says... I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Listen, this is referring to Judas who walked with Jesus three years. Jesus, Judas was sent out. Judas did many things of ministry, but he had his own plans. He was still living his own life and he lifted up his heel against the Lord. Click back into Isaiah chapter 2. And we read Isaiah chapter 2. I won't belabor it for too long. 
But Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12 says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Listen, brought low. It's going to be humbled. Today is the day to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift us up. He will use us as witnesses for His glory. As we lift Him up, He will lift us up. It's so important that we understand this because so many people are going to church, living their life. They're they're doing the same thing they've always done. They say, I believe in Jesus, but they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lift up the finished works of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. They're not going out and living for God as a witness in this grand courtroom with just a simple testimony. That I was once blind, but now I see. You know, Jesus made clay. He's clearly proving that he's God before believers, those that say they believe in him. Remember that? 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believe, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they began to argue with him about his word. But what does he do when he's making clay? It's clearly the same thing when God made man from the dust in Genesis 2-7. Last week when I taught them, my son says, hey, did you see 2-6? And I go, yeah, I seen that, but it was on my other page, so I didn't read it. But if you look at Genesis 2-6, it's the same thing. God gives every good and perfect gift. And Genesis 2-6 tells you about where the water was. And see, the water is the Holy Spirit. And you go, oh, man, somebody said, what in the world? Why would he spit and make mud? Listen, 2.6 tells us this. In Genesis, it's on the other page. Here it is. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Listen to me. The mist, it has never rained on the earth at this time. Never. But there's this mist And Jesus uses this mist, and what did he do? And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The first time that there's water raining on the earth is the judgment, Noah's flood, the deluge. But right here we see that Jesus, as he walks through this town and he comes across this man that was born blind and he says, it's, it, it neither sinned because all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. It wasn't nothing to do with them, but this is for the glory of God, that the works of God might be revealed in him. And God is walking in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus right there. And what does he do? He makes a little bit of clay and he finishes him. He makes him whole. Because he was born without eyes. And he didn't understand why. And then he makes him whole. Listen, salvation means deliverance from the sin nature. It means deliverance to safety. But it means to make you whole. And that's what he wants you to do is to listen. And then he takes the water, the Holy Spirit, and he puts it in your heart. And he begins to shape you and mold you. And he makes you whole. Are you cooperating with him? Are you lifting him up or are you lifting your heel against him and resisting him and fighting against him, making you whole, even though you say, I'm a believer, I believe. Are you arguing with the word of God or are you hearing it with an intent to obey it? 
Because see, when you hear God and you obey God, you know what He does? He hears you. When you hear God and you say, wow, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And then you begin to obey, then God hears your prayers. We're going to see it in the text. I'm just a little bit ahead of myself. I'm like, Lord, how do I do this? Because I'm just a man. I can't explain what you just did on the pages of Scripture. You come out of eternity past, and you come down as a baby, and you you healed a blind man's eyes by making clay and finishing him off. And he said, he's finished. And then you led him to yourself. You drew him to yourself. And everybody can see it, that there was a changed life. And he began to lift up Jesus, and he hasn't even seen him. He said, a man named Jesus. He put clay on my eyes, and he said, go wash. And I washed, and I can see. What a simple testimony. And you know what? There's still people that will not believe. They walk in unbelief with hard hearts. And there's people who do believe. And they accept that testimony. And they believe in Jesus. Where are you at today? Has it changed your life? Has it changed your life? He made him whole. Listen, judgment has already been pronounced on the earth. Judgment has been pronounced. It was already pronounced when Jesus came. The wages of sin is death. Judgment has always been announced. We know the end of it. But now the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can receive his payment. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21 But are we becoming that? The ability's there, the power's there, the blood's there, the word's there, the instructions are there, but we can keep lifting up our heel against the work of the Holy Spirit. Or we can begin to speak out loud and lift up Jesus and go and sin no more. We can receive the light of the world. Listen, isn't that what happened? There was darkness in this man's life. And then he washed in the pool and all of a sudden it's light. And people seeing that there was light now. He's like, wow. And he's moving around differently. He's not going to the same places. He's not in darkness. See, Jesus is the light of the world. And he shined his light into darkness. And the darkness could not overcome him. You know, you can turn on a light switch and light will overcome darkness. Completely. And that's what Jesus just did. He turned on the lights. But spiritually, this man's still dead. Spiritually, this man is still dead. But Jesus is bringing him there. He still has to believe in his heart and confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not enough to say I have eyes to see. You know what? The whole woke, the whole woke agenda 
is telling you that they're awake, they're not asleep, they have eyes to see and they can see, and they're lying to everybody because it's from the devil. And they think they're doing good, and many of them are under delusion, others are purposely doing it, but they're all useful idiots of the devil that we need to pray for. And we need to ask that God would turn on the light and they would see the deception that they're living in. They're not the enemy. It's a spiritual war. They're not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And many times, you're your worst, I'm, I'm my worst enemy. I don't even pick on you guys. In Texas, there's people that they're their own worst enemy. Because we won't listen to truth and stop lifting up our hill and going where we want to go, lifting up our hill against God and kicking against the goads when we should be lifting him up, proclaiming his word. This is all introduction. Let's look at our Bible study on Friday nights, chapter 23 of 2 Kings. Excuse me, chapter 22 of 2 Kings. Josiah. Just quickly, just want to quickly rehearse it. If you wasn't here and you didn't listen to it, then you're going to get something. If you're getting a second witness of it, try to learn something. Try to grow with it. <laughs> listen, Josiah, eight years old, became king. Eight is the number of new beginnings. When he became king, he wanted to do some work for God and fix his temple. He sent some people to the temple, and when they get to the temple, they did that little bit of fixing in their own flesh, in their own strength, in their own desires. But then Hilkiah, the priest, said, hey, look, I found the book of the law. And then they brought it back. Shaphan brought it back to the king and read it to him. And the king tore his clothes and the king said, wow, look how far we are from God when we thought we were serving God. We thought we were fixing God's temple. We thought we were doing things for God. We thought we were walking for God. And the whole time we've been handed something that's lifting its hill against God. So what does he do? 22, 2 Kings chapter 22, uh, verse 16, we'll start and listen. I, I got to give you the paraphrase because I got a whole text I got to teach in the New Testament. He sends to the prophet. It's a prophetess. She tells him that the judgment has already been had. But because he was tender hearted when he heard the word of God. He's going to go down to his grave in peace. I'm going to read some of it to you. See, the judgment's already there. They're going to be carried away. It's the southern tribes into Judah or Judah is going to be carried away into Assyria. Just like this world is already judged. Just like America is already judged. We're reaping the fruit, the root of what we've done over the past years and decades. Centuries of ignoring God, removing God. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of, king of Judah has read... Because they have forsaken me. We've left God and burned incense to other gods. That's praying to other gods. That's living for other gods. That's acknowledging that there's other gods which are false gods in the first place. That they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. See what it is? It's religion. It's works of our hands and our strength. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and, sh and shall not be quenched. Reminds you of fire. But as for the king of Judah, the king of praise, he shall be praised, who sent you to inquire of the Lord. 
Are you inquiring of the Lord of what's going on? In this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, which means those governed by God, concerning the words which you have heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, listen, he's talking about, look, concerning the words you have heard. Have you heard the word of God? Listen, right now in this text we're in, in John chapter 9, this man could hear Jesus' voice. And he could obey Jesus' voice, but he couldn't see Jesus. And he heard the voice of Jesus, and he obeyed. And he went and washed, and he was clean. And then Jesus led him further to him. He's going to come to him in the temple and meet with him in his heart. Because we are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in us. When you hear, how do you react to the Word of God? Because here's Josiah. He's going to have personal revival He's going to come to know God personally. And because of his position and what he can do and his authority in that position, he can change the whole nation. But he cannot make anybody else come to Jesus. He can order them to do some work. And they can go because he's the king. But if King Jesus, Josiah means founded on Yah, founded on Jehovah. If King Jesus is in your house and you hear his voice, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They're in the way with me. He hears and he obeys. Look at this. You have heard verse 19. Because your heart was tender. Notice it's the heart. This is where the seed of the word, if you're reading to us in the Bible, you just read the parable of the sower. This is where the seed goes down. It's tender in a soft heart. Listen, the trials of life, the pain of life, all of these things, if you look to God and you lift him up still, it'll, it'll dig away at that fallow ground so that word goes down deep and produces fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But it'll be fruit of righteousness. It'll be love. It'll look like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He heard the word. He wanted to do for God, but he had no ability to really do for God. But then he heard the word, and his heart was tender. It was soft, and he humbled himself. He bowed down to God's word. He didn't lift up his heel, even though he was king. Think about that for a moment. He had all the authority to do what he wanted. But he knew there was a king higher than him, King Jesus. He humbled himself. before the lord listen don't humble yourself before others but if you're humbling yourself before the lord you'll become servant to others and you'll already be humble in their midst you'll already be there in humility because you're humbling yourself before the lord when they poke a dead man it shouldn't bother you but if you have pride they're going to get your goat i guarantee it so when you fail that test and you had a goat to get and they got your goat and you threw a fit then you need to go to Jesus and go, hey, I need some wisdom here because evidently that was flesh and that wasn't spirit and they got my goat and I got mad. So I want to be a dead man. I don't want to be a dead goat. Notice he humbled himself before the Lord. When did he do that, Greg? When you heard what I spoke, when I heard his voice. I read the word of God against this place and against the inhabitants. Listen, you can say, oh my goodness, judgment's coming. I'm mad at God. He's going to judge. I'm mad at God. I don't like what he's doing. 
Or you can humble yourself and say, I want to be involved in what you're doing. How do I correct that? Come to Jesus. Hear his voice and follow. That they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. Isn't that amazing? Look what he did. Tore his clothes. The king tore his clothes. It's like you taking your flesh off, tearing your flesh off, realizing that there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. What you've been wearing is filthy rags. And we want to be clothed in Christ. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And there's weeping with this type of contrition. There's weeping sometimes. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's just an inner weeping. Tears don't always prove anything. It's a physical thing. Sometimes they prove the heart. But notice what happened when Josiah heard, and he did this tender, humble, tore his clothes, wept. Then it says, God also heard him. I also heard you. Listen, without repentance, God does not hear a prayer. I see people all the time going, oh, I talk to the good old boy upstairs all the time. Listen, if you haven't repented, which means to change your mind, to turn, to come to Jesus, to know that you are nothing but filthy flesh, that there's nothing good that dwells in you, you can't do nothing good for God. If you haven't come to that conclusion that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and you don't deserve anything but death, then you haven't come to Jesus. You have, your eyes haven't been opened spiritually. You're still blind. We're born dead. We're born blind. And it takes the Spirit of God, the light of the world, to open blind eyes. And many people can be leaders. Many people can be pastors and religious rulers. And they can have all kinds of things. And you think, I want what they got. They are dead if they don't know Jesus. And that's all this life is about, is coming to know Jesus in this grand courtroom and understanding that He laid His life down for us so that when we receive Him, we can have spiritual eyes. Our eyes can be open. Even if they're physically blind, even if we're physically have maladies, even if what the world calls a handicap, God will use it if your spiritual eyes are open for His glory if you lift Him up and stop lifting your heel against Him. When we hear God, He begins to hear us. And, and you know, we still pray dumb prayers. I pray a whole lot of dumb prayers. But you learn to pray better. See, praying is not about getting a car. Praying is not about getting stuff. Praying about is lining your heart up with God's heart, what He's already doing because judgment has come, what He's already doing in reconciling souls so that none would perish. No, not one. And you begin to line your desires up with his desires, your ways with his way. How do you do that? You listen to his voice. You read his word. You learn what he's already told us he's going to do with those spiritual eyes that the Holy Spirit gives you. And you begin to tell others. And you speak about it. And then they have a choice to listen or to ignore it. Verse 20, surely therefore I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Three kinds of peace. Peace with God is Jesus. He gives you peace with God. You're no longer an enemy if you know God. Peace of God is when you are 
getting into the Word and you're learning that it's okay, He's got you. And then there's peace in the world, which is the absence of war. Listen, there's war and wars and rumors of wars. Just because they're fighting doesn't mean that you can't have peace with God. You can be in the middle of a war and have the peace of God. I, I remember we watched this movie. It's been years ago, but Stonewall Jackson, you know how come he was such a good leader? Civil War. Because he knew he was indestructible until God was finished with him. Many Indians later testified that they, and many soldiers testified that they had him in his sights. And they would have swore that they would have shot him. But the bullet didn't land home because God made him indestructible until he's finished. So he would always go out leading his soldiers. He was the one out front. That's Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when you know your place, you can go out front. And you're not afraid to be out front. You're not afraid to lead. You're not afraid to tell people, follow me while I follow Jesus. But many will say they're following Jesus. And they're really following their own little plan of their own little kingdom, of their own little ways. And has nothing to do with the word of God. Watch out for the liars. They're of the spirit of Antichrist. You go down to your grave, you'll be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity, the wrath that I bring upon this place. And they brought that word back to the king. What did the king do next? It was our memory verse last week. The king instantly sent his people to gather the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to where? To him. Same thing Jesus is doing right now. Listen. He's gathering everyone to him. If he be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's the same thing. People ask me, why do you give a memory verse that's in the Old Testament? I'm like, are, are you not understanding that the Old Testament is the same as the New Testament? It's all one testimony of God, the testator who had to come and die in order for his will to be enacted. It's the testator. It's, just, it's a written document. His will is a written document in this grand courtroom. And listen, he's calling witnesses. And witnesses are testifying. And people are listening. You're the judge and the jury. And you're saying, I believe that testimony. I believe Jesus. I want to lift him up. Or you say, I don't believe that. And you keep lifting your heel against him. And when you lift your hill against him and you fight with him, your eternity is going to be different than my eternity. Your eternity is going to be different. There's two different eternities, heaven and hell. And the evidence is how we're living now as we're led by the Spirit of God into the Word of God to do the will of God for the glory of God. How are you living today after meeting Jesus? Has he opened your blind eyes? Did the neighbors notice? Are you giving testimony of it? Not because of your power, not because of your kingdom, because of who he is and what he's done. That's a testimony, and it changes every day. My testimony today will be about what's going on. When I see my wife being healed by God and kept here by God. And I can tell you, I can, I can focus it on me. I can tell you that five times I had to grab my wife's nose and blow in her throat so she wouldn't choke to death and die and suffocate. But that's focused on me. What has God done? I can tell you the doctors were great. They were fantastic. They knew exactly what to do. 
But God's the one that gives them wisdom. God's the one that allows them to practice any true biology, any true science. He's the originator. And anything they do past that, they're not following Jesus. They're not taking care of life. They're living and listening to the liar. We got to wake up in the church. We got to wake up to God's word. Because if we hear his word and we obey, he'll hear our prayers. He'll hear what we are saying to him. And we'll do greater things than Jesus is what the Bible says. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to be in John for the rest of our stay down here. That's an interesting statement, huh? I'm hoping for the rapture to come soon, so I'm going to be in John. John means the gracious gift of God, so I'm going to be in the grace of God for the rest of my stay. Okay, let's go back. Let's look at John 9, verse 12. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Is that where you're at today? Are you somebody that's eyes are open and you can see, but you don't know where Jesus is at? That's what the Word of God is for. That's what the Spirit of God comes in for, to give us all the other knowledge as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ from glory to glory. But we have to say, "Uh uh-oh, that's me kicking against the goads and get our foot down and say, I'm not going to do my walk. I want to do your walk. I'm not going to live for me. I want to live for you. The one who died and yea rose again on the third day for me. Let's try to look then. Here they are, the neighbors. They're trying to find out. So they go to the people that they feel like are the authority. Listen, they take him. Let's read chapter 9, verse 13. Who thought he could finish 28 verses? They brought him who formerly was blind. Notice the testimony to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He, is a, he said he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that his eyes we excuse me, and that he was born blind, 21, but by what means he now sees we do not know, or who opened his eyes we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would put He would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So they called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, 
What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened, the eye, opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out, cast away. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for coming to earth and taking flesh and healing blind eyes, for opening blind eyes. Thank you for um, your great sacrifice of your life, dying on a cross and raising again on the third day. Lord, help us to have spiritual eyes and ears to hear what you would say to the church today. Help us to see clearly in our hearts and to go and obey, to go and do likewise and follow our example, Jesus the Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Just by a disclaimer, I may not finish all of this, but I did read it for context. We might finish it. So now we're at 13, and these witnesses are seeing it, and the neighbors, and they say, we got to find out what's going on, so let's go to the religious authority. Let's go to those who are ruling over us. Let's go to those who know or say they know God and see what they say about this man. And we see, verse 13, they brought, listen, first word. It's in the text twice, not the word brought, but the word drive. Listen to what's going on. Somebody else is driving this man to the Pharisees. It's the word drive. Because the world and Satan wants to drive you places, but Jesus says, follow me. And it's very important to know that. If something in your life is driving you to do something, it's wrong. The love of God compels you, but you're still following because love always goes before you. This is driving. You drive cattle. You drive certain things. Jesus is always out front. God is always going before you. If it's of the Spirit, the Spirit's already there waiting on you to get in line and to come. They're driving. They're making him go to these people. And these people that are supposed to be the religious authorities are going to try to get him not to believe in Jesus. 
not to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. They're going to try to lead him away into their religion that they've made up, their apostasy. But when the Spirit of God is alive in a person, you can't change their mind. And he's going to keep giving testimony. And he's going to be wiser than these ruling authorities with his simple wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives him about why his eyes are open. So they brought him. I better find my words in case I need to have them. So they brought. It means to lead or to bring or to drive the neighbors. They drive him because they couldn't decide what was going on. Who had who was formerly was blind. Notice that because we're getting the testimony that he now sees. Everybody knows it. Only people today will say that he wasn't healed. Only people in seminaries or cemeteries, as we call them, today will try to explain away the works of God. These people in the text clearly understand that he was blind. Now he sees. They clearly understand. Now they're trying to figure out who did it, how it was done, and why it could be done if this man wouldn't keep the Sabbath and wouldn't come underneath their legalistic rules. To the Pharisees. Remember, we've discussed the Pharisees. They're called the separatists. They had separated themselves from, that they didn't even understand society. They didn't even understand God. They had made up so much about God by extrapolating what he said into their own rules that they were playing religion. He's standing in front of them in a minute and they won't even recognize him. They won't see him because they're blind. Oh, they're physically seeing, but they're spiritually totally blind. And much of those who say they know God are blind if they do not follow the scriptures. So it's the Pharisees. There, two ruling, The ruling authorities make up the Sanhedrin, which is 70, and there was Pharisees and Sadducees and a high priest. Well, even in our text, when we're looking, the high priest is not really the high priest because Rome didn't like the high priest, so they made his son-in-law the high priest. So you have two high priests now at this time, Caiaphas and, and Annas, and, and you have two of them. One is the real chosen high priest. The other is a false high priest that the world lifts up. And that's why I'm telling you, that is a picture of Christ and Antichrist. That is the picture of one Christ that the world makes up underneath the sway of the wicked one, and the other one is the true high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And you need to know that because they're trying to get you to worship a false Jesus instead of the one of the scriptures. And the way you have a relationship is you get in the scriptures and you read them and you say, Lord, open my blind eyes. I want to see. I want to follow you. I want to know and have a relationship. And he says to the church, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice, not the rap of my knuckles, you hear my word and opens the door. So you have to invite him in. You're opening the door. You're letting him come in. I will come in and dine with him and he with me. It's Revelation 3.20. And people go, oh, but Revelation means to uncover. It's uncovering the truth of where the church is at. That we've locked Jesus out the same way that Israel did, that the, the Jewish authorities did. And he's standing before them and they're like, this man is a sinner. He didn't do what we said, so he's a sinner. 
A sinner is somebody that doesn't do what God says, not what man says. You can't make up dress codes. You can't make up your own little rule book. You can't make up membership. If you believe there's either saints or ain'ts, you either have salvation and you become a saint or you're an ain't. It's, it's the blood of Jesus and the spirit of God. It's not some denominational lines. Everything else is demonic. Everything else is leading to the convergence. All you have to do is look at the landscape. If you've been in the church for very long and you see what other churches are doing, where they're moving to, how they're living, and now the world's doing it with them. They're making their movies for them. The world's bringing all of it right to you. And we can all just sing Kumbaya, come by here, my Lord. It used to be a good song till they ruined it. Don't you want the Lord to come by here? Kumbaya, that's what that means. Come by here, my Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. I went crazy again. Let's get back to the word. Notice the entire testimony is there in 14. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Notice the whole testimony. One little line. We know that it was Saturday. Seventh day where men's supposed to be resting. Jesus is our rest, by the way. He's became our Sabbath rest. It was all about him. He made it so man could rest. And Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. He made him whole. 15. Then the Pharisees, these that are separated, also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. See how easy that is? See how simple that testimony is? His physical body healed. He put clay on my eyes. I obeyed. I went and washed, and now I'm healed. Received a recovery of sight physically to be a testimony to others spiritually. God is drawing him to himself right now. He does it with you and me. There's things that's going to happen in life. And it's, you can either get mad at God or you can turn to God. Everything is so you will cry out to God. And then when you become a believer, why would we not run to God? If I believe in Jesus and something bad happens, why would I not turn to him? We turn to the telephone. We turn to the world. We turn to the government. We turn to people that know nothing about the word of God and we run to them. And they make us twice the sons of hell than we were before. But if we run to God, he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom in his word and how to deal with it. And he'll speak words of comfort and encouragement. And he'll say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he'll put you in the boat and he'll say, we're going to the other side. The boat is the fellowship. Stay in the boat. If you're listening to the enemy, you get in and out of the boat. In and out of the boat. In and out of the boat. I got my own life jacket. I'm getting in and out of the boat. Getting in and out of the boat. Stay in the boat. Get in the fellowship. Be part of the fellowship. Find out why you're in the fellowship. Why God has called you. What your gifts and talents and abilities are. And then use them for the glory of God. Quit getting out of the boat. You're not going to find a better boat than the church. There's no other boat. Like they say, it's like Noah's Ark. It's the only boat afloat. Stinks a lot, but it's the only boat afloat. Listen to me. 
People run to and fro. Most of church growth, if there's any in America, is from people skipping from church to church to church because they're looking for a perfect church. They're looking for a church that will feed their flesh instead of looking to die to self and grow in the spirit. They're looking for a church that believes like I do. Well, your beliefs are wrong if they don't line up with God's word. If you're in a church and it doesn't line up with God's word, then you need to leave it. But before you leave it, you know what I would do? I would walk up and say, hey, pastor, is there a time this week that we can meet? Well, why? What's going on? I'd just like to talk to you about some things you said from the pulpit that I think the Bible says differently. Would you like to meet with me? You'll probably get a no if you don't agree. Just go. But if you get to sit down with him and reason in the scriptures, then he has a chance to turn from his lying ways. If not, you dust your feet, you find a church that's teaching the word of God. That wasn't for you guys. That was for the tape. Notice what happens. Same thing that always happens. Verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees, some of those that were separated said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs, such miracles, King James? And there was a division among them. The word for um, signs is miracles, King James. It means a token, a wonder. It's obvious. It's wonderful. That's what he's going to say later. So it's always, always a division. When you hear the truth, when you speak the truth, when truth goes out, when Jesus is there, some will believe, some will not. Some will harden their heart, some will soften their heart and receive with meekness the implanted word for the saving of the soul. Some will say, I don't believe like that. I'm not going to do that because it doesn't line up with my flesh. But see, our flesh is supposed to be dead. Our life is hidden in Christ. We're not following flesh. We don't want our ears tickled. Do you really want your ears tickled? Do you really want to hear a lie and end up in hell? Or do you want to find out what is true? The Bereans, when we see in the book of Acts, they search the scriptures daily to find out if what Paul was saying was true. If it's true, you need to know before you die physically. Listen to me. Because so many people just believe what they're being taught and they go live their life and they're living everything in the flesh and they just worship on Sunday and they say they're okay and they're going to hell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the truth of the gospel. You know, one of the interesting things is, is that one of the witnesses was the neighbors. The first witness was the neighbors, the people right around that person. Isn't that who we're supposed to go to? We love the Lord with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, we don't even know our neighbors. We don't even talk to neighbors in America anymore. We're so private that the devil has got us segregated and separated just like these separatists. I don't want nothing to do with them. They're dirty. I don't want nothing to do with them. They do them one things, and I don't do that. You used to do that. And if you didn't used to do that, you were a sinner and headed for hell just like they are. And the love of God compels us to speak to our neighbors, to every person we meet. And you may not do it as effectively as somebody else, but are you even trying? Are you, is it even on the radar screen 
that my neighbor needs to know they're going to hell. Is it all, and, I, and I'm not talking about the person that lives right next door to you. Your neighbor's the people you're rubbing elbows with, but you should be rubbing elbows with the people you're next door to. We ignore ours. It's my daughter. I'm teasing. Believer priest is what we've become if our eyes are open. And a priest serves God by serving other people, by laying down their life so that other people are being taken care of and coming to Jesus and having their blind eyes open. So they said, because he's not keeping the Sabbath according to our rules. Listen, according to our rules. He did nothing wrong on the Sabbath. It was according to what they had made up that the Sabbath was. That healing a man on the Sabbath day, listen, is not works. You know what they were pointing at? Here they are. They're straining. You know what they were pointing at? Not the miracle. They were pointing at he made clay. Remember, there's other texts where, where they were picking some grain and they would thrust it together like this and they said that they were harvesting the crops on a Sabbath day and they would chew it like bubble gum because they were hungry and they were so legalistic they called that harvesting because they picked a little bit for themselves. This is the legalist. This is the one that's straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. There's lots of things wrong when you look by your physical eyes in the world today, in the church today. But what about spiritual eyes? What about the Spirit of God that gives us grace and mercy and wants us to look at others with grace and mercy and to overlook transgression and be long-suffering with other people and lead them to the light, lead them out of darkness by your very witness, your very evidence, by your very actions. Oh my goodness. So some believed and had heart, or had soft hearts that received just like Josiah. Others, they hardened their hearts like Judas. And they lifted up their heel against this miracle that was clearly done. 17, they said to the blind man again, listen, they can't believe. They keep asking. They keep asking the same question. They keep getting the same testimony. Truth does not change unless you're in the American church and you want to build membership and numbers, you start to dilute the truth so people will come in. You start to change the truth so people will be comfortable and you can build your little kingdom. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him, Jesus, because he opened your eyes? Notice they agree. His eyes are open. He said he is a prophet. Now, this is really interesting because, see, he hasn't met him. He don't know that he's Jesus the Christ. He's the Lord of glory. He's on his way to the cross to die for the sins of the world. He's the Mashiach. He's the one that came for this purpose. But what do they know? What the ruling authorities has been teaching them, that there's, that there's a Messiah coming. But first, what happens in Deuteronomy 18, 15, uh, Moses said, that God will raise up a, well, look at Acts 3, and we'll see it in Acts 3. Let's just read it, and I won't have to quote it to you and mess it up. Acts chapter 3, this is called Bible study. Acts chapter, is that after John? Right after John, isn't it? 
Acts chapter 3, first sermon of the church. I'm trying to get there. I don't have it marked. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said, now this is quoting Deuteronomy 18, 15. For Moses, it's going to be real important in a minute when they say they're following Moses. See, because if you're following Moses, Moses is following God. They're going to say that they're disciples of Moses. Well, Moses was a disciple of God. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In all things. How much is all? Get a calculator. What your, what, whatever he says to you, and it shall be. Here it is, judgment, that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Judgment. Listen to me. Listen, that's the text I read to some Muslims that said here one day that wanted to come in and proselytize and tell people about Muhammad. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You believe Jesus is a good man? Oh, yeah. I said, well, look here. He's the prophet that Moses said. And if you don't listen to what he said, you're going to die. He's the only prophet. The rest are false. None coming after him. A prophet, of course, means one who foretells the word of God. Foretelling truth. Who would know it better than God himself to foretell truth? Then he puts his spirit in people, and you go out, and you're a witness, and you foretell truth. There's no more prophets. There's people that have the gift of prophecy, and you can foretell truth because the scripture is already written. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. He's already spoken everything. Jesus said to Telestai as he hung on the cross, which means it is finished, paid in full. Nothing else needs to be done or said. What now is left is have we heard? Are we going to obey? When we obey, he'll hear us and we can go out with power and strength and might and be witnesses in this grand courtroom about what's getting ready to happen. Anything else is nonsense. It's the ministry of reconciliation of souls, and that's what God is here to do. Enough said. I almost feel like stopping the Bible study. But I won't because we got text that I read, and we need more to learn, but that felt good. So he says he's a prophet because he knew that a prophet was coming. Many thought it was Joshua. Remember that? Old Testament, boom. Where's Joshua been? He's been hanging out with Moses. Moses gathers himself. He dies on Mount Gilboa. And then you have Joshua, which is the Hebrew for Yeshua, which means Jesus. God is salvation. He was the next one. But it was really speaking all the way forward to when the Messiah would come. It's the same way Adam and Eve, when Cain killed Abel. And they thought that the next one, Seth, was going to be him. Because we all live in this expectation of the coming of the Lord. But when Seth was born, it says, Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Are you calling on the name of the Lord? Are you listening for His voice? Verse 18. But the Jews, now we've went from, listen, there's an audience listening, there's people listening, there's a crowd going on. It was the Pharisees, the separatists. Now we're saying, but the Jews did not believe concerning him 
that he had been blind and received his sight. They didn't believe it. What changed their mind? Until, now we know they did believe it, they called the parents of him who had received his sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. Listen. Notice there's an age. The Jewish economy, there's an age. I always thought coming of age was 12 because we see in Luke that Jesus was left in the temple at 12 and he was questioning them and talking to the, the leaders at 12. But they, I looked it up and the bar mitzvah is at, um, I got a note, I better get that. It's at 13 for boys and girls it's at 12 is the way they do it. Now is that upside down because the world wants to twist things? But then here recently, like in the 70s, they changed it and they made it uh, that today 15 for boys and, or excuse me, 16 for boys and 15 for girls. And that's their coming of age. They have a bar mitzvah. Uh, really, bar is the word for son. So now they're doing it for girls too, though, um, because of ERA. Uh, lots of things change when you begin to walk away from the word of God. Nothing derogatory, nothing wrong, except that we're so far away from God's word because we listen to religious authorities that aren't in God's word being led by the spirit of God. And then we're passing out apostasy to everybody. Well, the apostasy happens to happen. It's the falling away from the faith. Listen, happens different ways. A person can do it, but a whole movement can do it. A whole people can do it. And we begin to hand out religion just like the Jewish nation did because they fell away from the true word of God. Just like we can fall away from the faith and we can begin to hand out a gospel that's, that's outlined in religion and tickling ears and building our own little fancy buildings and has nothing to do with the spirit of God and the word of God and salvation of God. That's a full apostasy. And when that happens, what happens? 2 Thessalonians 2, the son of lawlessness appears. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Got to wake up to this. Can be in triplicate. It can be then, it can be now happening, and it can be a prophecy of the future. Because God is a trichotomy. He's in trinity. So... Um, they go to the parents. We're going to call some more witnesses. What they do? They called the parents. They've got the neighbors. They've got the man. His word doesn't count. Self-incrimination. You don't have to testify against yourself. But now they're going to call some other people. Let's call his parents. Isn't that what you do in a jury, in a courtroom? Isn't that what you do in a court of law? You present evidence. You call other people to testify. And then everybody gets to make a decision. What say you? His parents, you know what? They said he was born blind. This is our son. But who did it? We don't know. Sadly, what if they do know? And they just wouldn't speak up. That's most of the church today. I'm not being mean. I'm not picking on God's bride. Believe me, I'm back. I'm way away from God's bride. You don't put your hand on another man's wife. That's God's bride. 
But what I'm saying is, is speaking about the barometer of the temperature of the church today. What if they did know? Because look at the next verse. Verse 22. His parents said these things. Why did they speak, Greg? Why did they give this testimony? Why did they say what they said? Because they feared the Jews. And the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed, agreed that he was the Christ, the Mashiach of God, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Listen to me. Fear. Cancel culture. Death culture. Say what we say or you will be put out. It's coming again. Listen, it was happening here. To be put out of the synagogue is to lose your entire historicity. They traced it all the way back to Adam. You would lose everything. In fact, when they kick this man out here in a minute, they're going to kick him out. He's going to be kicked out. You know what? He becomes like a dead man. He's going to become like a leper. If the ruling authority says he's gone, he can't have a business. He can't work. He can't have food. He doesn't get anything because they just kicked him out. He's like a heretic. They basically killed him. Death culture. So the parents are afraid. It's coming again. First, we're going to digitize currency where they can shut it on and off. And if you don't say what they're saying, they're going to get you. They're already doing it on Facebook. They're already doing it on Twitter. They're already doing it. Well, Twitter quit because we have this false Messiah. But anyway, we, we're, going to, we're going to be doing it everywhere. And pretty soon it's going to be Revelation 13 where there's a mark. And if you don't take the mark, you're not going to be able to buy, sell, or trade. Digital currency is just the beginning of that. It's coming, people, where you will be not just kicked out of the church, excommunicated, out of the synagogue. You'll be kicked out of the marketplace. You won't be able to work. You won't be able to eat unless you say what they say. And they're getting ready to say some big stuff. Give God the glory. This man is a sinner. He didn't keep the Sabbath. Listen, they're going to tell us what the Bible says. They're going to tell us what we can do. They're going to tell us what the Antichrist wants us to know. And if you don't follow it, you're not going to be able to eat. Scary? Should scare you. Are you going to be able to stand then if you're not standing now? If you're not learning the Word of God and asking the Spirit of God to lead your life, will you have wisdom to know how to deal with it? It's coming. It's coming. Believe me. It's already happened before in small pictures of it. If you read Leviticus 26 yesterday, you see they ate their children. He said that would happen if you didn't obey. You'll be in a place where he'll go to the furthest points to get you to surrender to him because he wants to take you to heaven. He wants to get the most out of this sacrifice. The most. He's not willing that any would perish. He does not want you to go to hell. This is the God we serve. He's the God of love. He does not want you ever to go to hell. But he will not override your free will and your choice. And if you choose to lift up your heel, he's going to come down with the gavel as the judge and say, okay, your choice, you can go to hell. Your choice. Or you can lift up Jesus and receive and believe and trust him. And even if you perish, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 
death culture is coming. Believe me, it's been here. It's, it's, it's being released. All of this stuff you see with war, it's a money machine. I, I shouldn't talk so much because they'll cancel me for sure on Facebook. It's a money machine. They're giving all of our money away. They're sending it to another place so that we will collapse completely and be done. But the money, they still got it. They're just putting it other places in their own pockets. While the people in America starve and die and have nothing and, and interest rates are going up. And we're speaking physical right now. But it's going to affect your spiritual life because you're going to have to make some decisions on what you're going to do. When they come and say, speak as we're speaking and do as we're saying, or you can't eat. Because it's coming. Now, I would like to not see it in my lifetime or my grandkids' lifetimes, and then I could put it off the radar and I wouldn't have to worry about it, and I could eat, drink, and be merry, and wait to die and go be with Jesus. But we need to wake up to what's going on and begin to live for Christ now. So we'll be prepared and ready for that when it comes. It's coming. Fear is how the devil always, it drives you. They couldn't say anything because they were afraid they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, he's of age, ask him. Listen, if somebody asks you, you're of age, what are you going to say? Do you believe or are you in unbelief? Are you lifting up Jesus or are you going to lift up your heel? Are you going to be ashamed of the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then to the Greek, Romans 1.16? Or are you going to say, oh, it's no big deal. I'll take it. Give it to me. I'll ride with what they're doing. I already believe in Jesus anyway. Listen, he tells us what's going to happen so we can say no to it, so we can follow him instead of the spirit of the world to protect us and our children and the people around us. Where are you at with this? Are you reading your Bible? You're drawn near to God? You hearing Him and then talking to Him so He can hear you? You being sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water through the Word? John 17, 17, we'll get there too, I promise, if we don't go to be with Jesus. Sanctify them with truth. Your Word is truth. Sanctification is a washing and cleansing, but it's also a setting apart to do His will as believer priest. So they were afraid. Ask him. How many times have they already asked him and he gave testimony? Four or five times? I didn't count them up. It's all through here. Testimony didn't change a bit. When you listen to them bragamonies, they change. From one year to the next, they, then they start bragging about. Bragging about. Testimony of Jesus doesn't change a bit because he's the unchanging God. And our testimony should always be about what God's doing, not about what we used to do. Be very careful hanging out on your testimony because it lifts up man instead of God. What's God doing in your life today? Since you said a prayer, since you said, I believed, what's he doing? Since your eyes were open, what's he doing? What are you doing? All this guy's done has been physically healed of his blindness. He hasn't even seen Jesus physically, and he already went and obeyed. And wash because he was sent there. We want to be healed by God. We got to listen to him and not quit listening to him. Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. 
Proverbs 19.27. Listening always has the connotation of obeying when you hear it. Here we go. We're going to call some more witnesses. Verse 24. We're in a courtroom. Remember, the accuser of the brethren is the devil. Our paralegal, our lawyer is Jesus. He's already died and made us perfect in the beloved positionally. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. Now listen to me. Because this is like recalling a witness. If you've never been in a jury trial, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I've been in them. Yeah, you're dismissed, but we'd like permission, or we'd like to uh, just save our right to recall this witness later. And so now they're recalling this witness again. And that's part of, of, of things you do with the jury to try to stump the other people. Here they go calling the witness again. Because you want to see what other witnesses say first. And then you recall that witness to see if they change their mind. Nothing changes in a testimony. Nothing changes about God. Sorry, my brain gets hooked up in this stuff. I went through a three-day trial, and I sat on a jury for a three-day trial. I've been uh, on a few of them and, and uh, studied law for about 11 years while I was in prison. And so my brain just explodes when I see the entire courtroom drama that's going on in the pages of Scripture. Because you and I are sitting in a grand courtroom. And you have to make a decision as one of the jury, one of the jurors sitting in the jury box. You cannot, you cannot say, I don't know. When you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You have to make an affirmative choice to believe, soften your heart, hear and obey or you're already in unbelief and you're hardening your heart and lifting up your heel. There's no middle ground. There's, there's nothing there. And Jesus gave us the acquittal. Jesus found us not guilty by taking our wrath, by taking our punishment, by taking our judgment on the cross at Calvary. He paid for all of our sin so that right now, positionally, we are sinless. Remember, 521, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means that we become right living, righteous when God looks at us, completely without sin. Now, when you commit sin, you need to confess it when you know and the Holy Spirit convicts you, but it only writes your heart. It doesn't change God a bit. It doesn't change your position. It just changes what you do in life because you begin to feel guilt and shame. You begin to go, oh, I better get out of the race. You begin to say, whoa, be careful. To God, you're righteous. You're finished because of Christ. So they demand, they demand that he give God the glory because they've concluded this man was a sinner because he wouldn't follow their laws. We see that as death culture. We see it today. And you know what? It's still true. He can give God the glory because Jesus is God. He can glorify God. And that's what the devil always does. He speaks a half truth or 99% truth and 1% lie. See, we do want to give God the glory because he sent the Messiah. Jesus is God. But this man is not a sinner. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. He's God with us. Emmanuel. 
So he answers in verse 25 and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, though, I was blind and now I see. Listen, they can't move him off of this mark because he knows that he met him. He heard his voice. He obeyed him. He went and washed, and now his eyes are open. You can't move that. It's like the, it's like the, the man that, that is out uh, fishing, and he steps in the wrong place, and he falls in quicksand, and he can't get out, and he's thrown his fishing pole, and he can't reach nothing, and he's sinking, and he's sinking, and he's sinking. And you've heard this before because I say it all the time. And as he's getting ready to go under, he's up to his nose. Somebody reaches in and pulls him out. He gets out, he wipes himself off, he dusts off, he, he goes home and he gets a shower and he sits down and he says, what's for dinner? Absolutely not. If somebody yanked you out of that quicksand just before you die, you would tell everybody on the way at home, you wouldn't be worried about taking a shower, you'd be telling people, I was getting ready to die and somebody pulled me out. And that's what Jesus has done. And if we've really experienced that, you're not going to change from that. You're going to keep telling people, no matter how much you mess up in the flesh, you're going to say, I've met Jesus. I heard his voice. He called me out. He opened my eyes. And you're going to tell somebody. He says, one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Do you see? His spiritual eyes are not open yet. But that's a picture of the same thing that happens. Because we're in darkness. And we can see physically, we can see darkness. We can see lots of things. But then when you come to Jesus, He opens your blind eyes. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says to the church in Corinth, but the natural man, that's your natural physical man that he was born blind with, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually judged. He goes on to say, but he who is spiritual judges all things. Wait a minute, I thought we weren't supposed to judge. He that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Why? Because my position is perfect with God if I have the Spirit of God in me. So I'm not rightly judged by anybody. And verse 16 says, For who is spiritual judges all, excuse me, for he who, where am I? For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Listen, that's your position. That's your place. That's what you're supposed to be learning and putting on the mind of Christ because Christ gave us his place and he took our place. So be careful. Learn the word of God. I'm learning it. Are you learning it? You know, it's amazing when you look at Josiah. They read the word of God to him. God pronounced what was going to happen because you heard and you obeyed. Now I hear you. You're going to go down to the grave in peace. Then he sent people to gather everybody to him. You know what happens next? 
when they gathered to him, you know what he did? He had the word read to him, but then he read the word to them. See, you hear it, and then you go tell it, and you read it to others. You make sure that they hear it, because it's the word of God that pierces the consciences, and then you have to make a decision. Soft heart, hard heart. Receive or disagree. Surrender or keep fighting and lifting my heel against God. Hard to kick against the goads. Then they said to him again, how did he open your eyes? How many times are we going to have to rehearse this? He answered, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? He's kind of mocking them. But listen, they have physical eyes, and they have physical ears. They, they have heard the testimony. They have seen this man in the miracle. They have seen Jesus because they've argued with him. And they've already decided if anybody says he's the Messiah, you're kicked out of the synagogue. So they are using their physical eyes and ears, but they're blind spiritually. And they're looking for a way to reject Jesus. Don't be found there. Don't be found there. That's a scary place where you've decided because your life is bad and you didn't like the last thing that happened, you're going to reject Jesus. That's the way these blind leaders lead the blind and they both end up in a ditch. And they're going to tell you that something else that doesn't line up with the Word of God is the true Jesus. This is the true way. This is where we should be going, what we should be doing, and it has nothing to do with the true Jesus. Listen, he gets us. I'm sorry. There he goes again, isn't he? Did you guys see the Super Bowl commercials? He created us. I'm sorry. They always tell me that, I, oh, you're so cynical. That's a different Jesus. There was some pretty things there. There was some nice things there. He gets us is not the gospel. He died for us, is the gospel. He took our punishment for us. That's the gospel. And you're going to spend millions of dollars on a campaign to advertise, and you're not going to give the gospel? He gets us. is all-inclusive. It's a convergence. Sorry, they might think they're doing well. Sorry, my opinion it's like an armpit. I'll throw it out. You don't like it? Might stink. Might not fit your flesh. People are mad if I say that. And I'm like, well, right there. Have you prayed about it? Have you looked at the Word of God? Does He really get us? Of course. None righteous. No, not one. We're all sinners. And He came and died for us. He gets us as an excuse to keep living the way you're living. And he calls for us to surrender and die and be crucified with him and to repent. Why didn't they put repent in that commercial? There's a bunch of emotions and feelings just like Asbury. Sorry. There he goes again. I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. Don't fall for a false Jesus. Nobody's going to be standing there with you 
at the judgment seat. In fact, look at, look at a couple pages over John 12. John 12. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're not going to be judged about what the nightly news said. You're not going to be judged about, about he gets us. You're not going to be judged about feelings and emotions. If you look, we're going to get to this. We'll talk about it a bunch more. Look at 1244. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Just like he sent the blind man to the pool, the father sent him to the blind man. He's just obeying what he was sent to do. And he sees, see there, that's with eyes. He sees, see that? We're talking about the same thing still. He sees me. He who sees me sees him who sent me. We're one. I have come as a light into the world because you're dark, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words, my voice, and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This is the verse I want you to see, 48. He who rejects me, he who lifts up his heel against me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. This very word, this very revelation, this very light, this very truth, we already have the answer of what's judging us. It's not going to be like, aha, got some new stuff when you get to the throne room. It's all written down right here in this legal brief. It's all written right here. The charges, none righteous, no, not one. Someone who took our place, the Savior, the Messiah. Judgment is already proclaimed. And we need to know this book because there's many people trying to lead us away. The spirit of Antichrist. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting. It never changes. He's the unchanging God. I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I've seen a lot of good crafty things go out and call as the gospel. But is it the word of God, the word that he has spoken, the word that pierces hearts and minds, the word that makes you make a decision? Am I going to receive that? And see, as you read the word of God, you know what it does? It's like a plow that comes in and it plows your heart up. It prepares your heart. That's why we worship too. It prepares the soil and turns over the fallow ground where death has been and it turns it over and then the seed of the word goes in and it can grow fruits of righteousness right in your heart. But if you reject it and you're never reading it, and then the seed falls on real hard ground like rock or hard dirt, and you go out the door, and you go, man, that was, that was loud. That was powerful. Oh, what did he say? I ask people all the time, what did your pastor talk about yesterday? You'd be surprised. I asked a pastor once, and he didn't know what he talked about. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you truth. I was sharing with a customer, and he kept saying, that's powerful, that's powerful, that's powerful. Eighty-some years old, and I believe he got saved. One time he said, that's effing powerful. I'm like, whoa, dude, I wouldn't put it like that. 
but you catch them and then you clean them. It's fishing. And hopefully he's reading his Bible today. Listen to me. We got to wake up to the word of God that prepares the heart of the people of God to receive more word, more instruction, more washing, more cleansing so that you can keep going out. Boy, I had a whole bunch of scriptures I wanted to get to. Do you want to be his disciples? Those who learn? That's what he just asked, this blind man. Do you want to be his disciples also? Look at the religious person. Look what they answered. 28, and they reviled him. They don't have any answer to truth. They just start talking bad about him. They start assassinating his character. They reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said, this is a marvelous, it's a wonderful thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Did you see the doctrine he just taught? Did you see the wisdom that this man has because he's being drawn to God? They're not even using their own wisdom. He probably got that from them. And then he's taking it and saying, now apply it back to this situation. This is what you taught me in synagogue last week. And all I could do was hear it. Now apply it back. Always apply the same truth back. If you want to characterize something, don't change the target. Don't change the mark. Don't change it. Because, see, we look at other people and we go, would you look at their sin? It always looks really bad on you, but it looks good on me. Oh, I have an excuse. My sin, I'm allowed to do. Your sin, not so much. Think about it. But now apply the same standard to each of your children. Apply the same standard to each of your neighbors. Apply the same standard to yourself. And the standard I would apply is love, but God's love. Not this sloppy agape that you see in the world. Apply mercy and grace and long-suffering, but speak the truth in love so that people have a scalpel to deal with their hearts. They have the truth to deal with their hearts. They have a choice to make. Then you've given them a fair chance. But when you have one standard for people that's a neighbor and another standard for your own household, you're not giving people a fair shot. Same standard. So they start reviling him. He says, it's a marvelous thing. God does not hear sinners. Do you know that? God doesn't hear sinners. If your heart is practicing sin and you you don't know Jesus Christ, God, the only prayer he hears is a prayer of repentance. The only prayer he hears is that prayer of repentance when you come to him. Everything else, it's hitting the ceiling. 
That's even why when you're a Christian, James says, if you're sick or you have things going on, come and get the elders. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. There's times when people are so in such a place that they don't think God's hearing their prayers. So they go to somebody that they know God is hearing their prayers, and they have them pray for them, and it opens up the heavens to them. And now they can understand and they can begin to come out of that fog, that darkness, that smokiness, that cloudiness. That's what darkness is about. It's fuzzy. I don't really know what to believe. Are your eyes open? See, this man doesn't get saved until verse 38. We're not going to get here. We're going to see worship for the first time with Jesus where they bow down and worship him. He believes it. And then he gives them this testimony. 32, since the world began. Now listen, this is the guy that was blind from birth. He's a normal guy. He's the uneducated one. He's not the religious authority. He's not the one that's steeped in religion and apostasy and trying to rule the whole nation with their own strength and leave God out. And he's now saying, since the world began, it has been unheard. Notice the play on words. Because he heard the voice of God. Faith comes by hearing, unheard of, that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is his testimony. See, now he's speaking. He's of age. He's made a conclusion. He's decided in his heart. And that's why Jesus is going to come to him. He's made a decision in his heart that he has to be from God. Do you remember what happened? I could go to so many scriptures here. Isaiah talks about it. 29, I do read 29. It's your homework. But listen, what did John do when they locked him up in prison? He sent his disciples. I was going to go there. I'm not going there. I said, are you the coming one? Is there somebody else coming? And he said, go and tell John. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. The blind are seeing. trying to think of the scripture luke luke did i mark it and blessed is anyone who is not offended by it that's what he says and blessed is anyone who is not offended by it i didn't even mark it didn't write it down are you offended by blind eyes these people are being open so what did they do the religious authorities those that know god They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They kicked him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. They said, you're dead to me. Death culture. You get nothing. He was born completely in sins. So they blamed his blindness physically on his own sin. Listen, we're all sinners. We're all born sinners, completely in sin, with a sin nature. And the only way to deal with it is at the cross of Calvary, when you believe in Jesus who died and rose again, and then he gives you eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Do you believe? Are you still asleep? Where he would say, Awake from your sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See, light opens blind eyes. 
Light takes you out of darkness. But then he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And then he talks about finding out what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, and do not be filled with wine, which is dissipates, but be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then he says, submit to one another in the fear of God. See, this is what the Spirit will do. It will help us to submit to one another and work together and give grace and mercy and help us to fear God and not man. Not fear being kicked out of the world. This man just got kicked out of the world. Isn't that a great thing? Christ tells us to leave the world and come to his kingdom. They just kicked him out of the world. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, open blind eyes. We know you're still doing it today. Thank you for our salvation. Bless our day together. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall